Well, tonight I have another subject that is even more extensive, but is a blessing to study, and that is simply the blessings of God. I want to talk to you tonight about the blessings of God. It is impossible for me to cover the blessings of God in one service. We would, if, if we just kept going, we would be here past midnight. Okay. Um, so, you know, if we went around the room and just had everybody name one blessing at a time, you know, we. We might say, well, I am blessed to, to be an American. I am blessed to... Honestly, I think you're more blessed to be a Texan than to be an American. But anyway, you know, the way things are going nowadays, but uh, I am blessed to, you know, to, to have been raised in a, in a godly family, to be raised in a church. I am blessed for uh, the spouse that God has given me. Any children... That he's blessed us with. And it goes, the list goes on and on and on. And thankfully it does, right? Yeah. It proves the awesomeness <clears throat> right. of God, does it not? And how how wonderful of a father he is to us. So tonight, what I what's on my heart is to share three blessings from God that we can receive or we cannot, we will not receive. And we're going to base it off of a, uh, an account out of the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, let's go to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter number 5. This is a familiar story to all of us. And uh, boy, as you dig into it, it's amazing what the Lord can show you and uh, I, I trust and I, I pray that this would be a blessing to you tonight. You know, certainly with the mess that our country is in, you know, people trying to just ridicule other people left and right at the smallest thing, you know. Who cares if Ted Cruz goes on a trip? I think the guy deserved it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He put up with all of that stuff in Washington for all these years. But anyway... You have those kind of people, and we have these kind of things we're dealing with every once in a while. You know, it's good for the mind, it's good for the heart, it's good for the soul to just step back and just think about how God has blessed us. Brother Roger encourages us to uh, to keep a journal of what God has done for us, how He has answered a prayer, or even having a gratitude journal where every day you, you write down one or two things that you're thankful for. And what you ought to do is challenge yourself to where you do that for 30 days and you can't duplicate anything. It's a, it's a healthy challenge. And it gets more and more encouraging as you go. It's like, look at all of these things that God has blessed me with or, or these things that I'm thankful for. It'll help you. It's helped me. And so, the blessings of God, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter number 5. Now, we're going to look at this account. Now, this, this, this story here that we have with Naaman, it, it also points towards salvation. Okay, It's a picture of salvation, but there's a few things um, in, in this text here that I want to point out that 
will then lead us into the the three blessings that I want to talk about. Okay? So let's start in verse number one. And let's get the idea of this this character, Naaman, that we're going to look at tonight. Second Kings chapter five and verse one says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. So here we have Naaman, he is captain. Okay, so that means he has leadership. He's proven himself that he will serve faithfully, and therefore he's been promoted. He's been trusted with these responsibilities, Samuel, and he has been promoted to a captain. He's a great man with his master and honorable. No doubt he had a reputation. Okay, he was well known in the land, and, uh, you know, the the king honored obviously had a high respect for this man. And he was a man, a man of mighty... Sorry, he was also a mighty man in Valier. That means he was wealthy. Okay, that's what that word Valier means in that text there. He, so he was successful. He had a good reputation uh, amongst the people there. And he was also, because of it, he was a wealthy man. He, he was a man of great substance. But then, we have the very last phrase there, but he was a leper. And in that spiritual sense, when we think about this on the salvation side, we can have any man working in downtown Houston can be wealthy, with a good reputation, just like this man, and yes, to have some wealth in him, but in the root of his heart, he is a sinner. He has not placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... It is a picture of a sinner. And then verse number two, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So here's a little maid, you know, serving in his house. And uh, is that not like what we are in our community? Not necessarily little maids, but in this area that God has put us to be a light to shine, and she does that. See what she says here in verse number 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord wherewith the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. So she has faith. She has faith in Almighty God and, and in this prophet that dwelt in the land of Israel. And so here she is going to her to her mistress, you know, those above her, and telling them, hey, he can find some help. (laughs) I know a guy that can help him. I know a God that can help him. Not a guy, a God. Okay? And then verse number four, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. Now, here's a path. Okay? She's a maid. She's a servant. Okay? A servant in the household of a captain of the army of Syria. Okay? They could easily say, we don't want to listen to your advice. You know? Remember what we said about the book of Mark with a servant? They were of low esteem. Okay? But nevertheless, they decided to, you know, to listen to her. So this is the Lord I see providing a path, 
of, of starting that message. She was faithful in her place, and it was God's will for that message to come forth. Therefore, he provided the path. And the path continues. Verse number 5, And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter into the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. I think that right there proves how the king thought of this captain. Not only is he sending a letter to the king of Israel, you know, but he is providing all of these things. Now, it could have very well been for a good reason. Okay, the king of Syria and the king of Israel, they weren't exactly the best buddies. You wouldn't find them on the golf course or in the same fishing boat. <laughs> you know, so you have to come to him with with this offering. And if he thought, if this king thought, oh man, Naaman, I mean, I can get another guy like him. You know, we're, we're not going to spend this on him. He, we'll, we'll, we'll find some kind of homemade remedy here. No, he, he decided to go with it and to send a letter to the king of Israel and try to get his man healed. Isn't it a blessing when people care about you where you're at? It makes a big difference when people actually think of you in your workplace as a person and not a machine, you know? Sometimes I felt that way in college, you know? Like the professors just... Uh, they just didn't treat you as people, <laughs> you know. That's right. I remember one day uh, I was in a summer summer class, a four week course of technical writing. We had spent all week. I was up all night one night working on this this. Uh, uh, it was it was a it was like a first draft, but you know it was more development. I can't remember what they called it. But we turned it in that morning. She walked around and picked them all up, set them on her desk, picked up the next stack, said, here's your next assignment. You know, there's no break. But uh, anyway, um, it was good for us. But um, I don't know how I got off onto that. But anyway, let's move on. I got a lot of stuff I can say about college, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> so... Uh, the king of Syria sends this letter, and now we see a response... From the king of Israel. Verse number 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying. Now when the, this letter is come unto thee. This letter is come unto thee. Behold I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee. That thou mayest recover him of this leprosy. Verse number 7. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter. That he rent his clothes and said. Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. So he was outraged. No doubt, he, first of all, he probably didn't trust something from the king of Syria. Okay? He said, wherefore, consider. You know, think about this, guys, is what he's saying. I pray you, I, and see how he's sick of the quarrel against me. Man, this is a trap. This is a trick. You really think the king of Syria is going to send someone to me? You know? I'll tell you what it also shows. It also shows that this man didn't believe in the prophet in his own land. Otherwise, he would have said, yes, we do have a man of God here. Yes, he can help you. But no, he didn't seem like he was focused on that. He was not. The Bible says he rents his clothes. This, this is, uh, in this context, this is an act of anger. This man, this man was not pleased with this letter that he had received. 
And then verse number 8, we have another response. And that's the response of Elisha. And it says in verse 8, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So upon Elisha's word, evidently, the king allowed this man to come. And and you notice this phrase in verse 9. It stuck out to me when I was studying it. It says, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. This, it strikes me as a man that is ready to receive. He has come to this place. He's, you know, he's been sent here. Okay, I, you know, my king, my commander has sent me here. And here I am. I'm ready to receive. So, and he's come a long way. Okay. Now with that means he's had a lot of time to think. Okay. Now it's pretty easy for us to just read this passage one verse to the next. But you got to think about the time it took for them to gather up these these items in this letter, send it to the king for the king to read it, and then for Elisha to get it, and then for Naaman actually to show up at Elisha's store, there's time. So I've always wondered, what's running through Naaman's mind through this? Now, it's often said that if you think long, you're wrong. So you got to be careful um, on how you think about things, because in the next couple of verses, it's almost as if his expectations were not meet. Okay, we're not met. Sorry. Look at verse number 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought. And you can just stop right there. That... This did not go the way he thought it was going to go. Okay? He he was expecting... Well, look what it says in the rest of the verse. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Man, I thought, Brother Jeff, he would come and just tap me on the shoulder and boom, there I'd be all clean. No. It didn't happen that way. God likes to work in ways we don't expect it to work. Okay? Something that seems unnatural to us, but in reality, it's because he's going to do the supernatural. Okay? So, Naaman, he, he wasn't too pleased here. He didn't like he didn't like how all of this was going. It wasn't how he expected it. And, you know, some you know sometimes God's not going to act exactly or, or do something exactly how we would like him to do. We've seen that lately with our country. Okay? And certainly we've had times where we thought with this recent, uh, I guess it was called an election, but where I thought this, I thought that. Okay? Now, it may not have been the Lord's will and how all that turned out, but... The Lord has a greater plan here. And Naaman, he's not looking at the spiritual side here, okay? He's not really able to yet because he hasn't placed his faith in God. It's impossible 
for the natural man to think as a spiritual man until that natural man places his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's not thinking about he's not thinking about an overall plan from Almighty God. Or, okay, this is a little strange, but he's not thinking that right away. But thank God for those people that God puts in our lives to to uh, to encourage us to stay with the Lord. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But first, I want to outline a couple of pointers in verse number ten. Okay, there are specific instructions that he received from this messenger. The first one is go. Okay, that sounds like now. He didn't say next week. He didn't say next month at the next moon. He didn't say next year. You know, he didn't say the next time you get a day off or whatever. He said go. Go and wash in the Jordan. Now, what's Jordan, uh, what's it a picture of? Death. Death. Okay, good. That's what I got on my notes too. <laughs> it's a picture of death. And remember, there is a salvation picture in this passage and... You know, dying to self in our obedience to God's word, dying to ourself and accepting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving that rebirth, that salvation. And then he says, he says, wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. So he said seven times, you know, numbers are very, very significant in the Bible. The number one is the number of unity. The number two is the number of witnesses. Out the mouth of two or more witnesses, let a word be established. That, that's a paraphrase. <coughs> the number three is the number is uh, the number for deity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Okay? We have uh, the number four. Number four is, is when uh, God made... Uh, the land visible by light when he created the, the suns, uh, the seasons, I mean, the seasons and the days and the evening. Uh, and verse number six is the number for man. Uh, the number seven is the number of perfection. It was to be done perfectly, okay? Not only did he have to do this immediately, but he needed to follow these specific instructions, meaning... He couldn't skip a step. Okay? Because in verse number 12, you know, when he was when he was not happy with this, in verse 12 he says, Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash them then and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Okay? God wanted him to wash in the river Jordan. Okay, now these two rivers he mentions here, um, if you do some research on them, you'll find that they are great bodies of water and it's a very beautiful piece of land, a beautiful area, very, it's a very uh, fertile land, okay, it's lush, it's green, it's pretty, it, it would be, you know, more uh, pleasing to go there and wash, rather than go out to, uh, you know, the East San Jacinto River, 
you know? That's basically what you're comparing it to. The Colorado River in Colorado or wherever that starts versus the San Jacinto River, you know? Um, up there in Colorado, you have rocks in the rivers. Down here, you have turtles in the rivers, you know? That's the difference right there. And so he's, he's an angry man here. He questions this messenger... Um, I'm done with that page. And so, this was not a, this was just not at all what he expected. I would say he was disappointed. And that's why he went away in a rage. And, you know, sometimes we just have to do something out of the ordinary for God to do the extraordinary. And so this man turns away, and you can see this man, if you picture this, he's probably walking back to his chariot, mad if there was a rock right there maybe, maybe maybe he kicked it because this is a man that's sick this is a man with a, a, a terrible disease so the emotions are high in him and so when he gets mad you know he's got all these things running through his head but thank God for friends who encourage him to just do what the man of God says look in verse number 13 and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Verse 14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again, like, in, excuse me, like unto the flesh of of a little child, and he was clean. And there's the picture right there of the re, the rebirth, receiving salvation, and therefore becoming a new creature. Um, behold, all things are passed away. All things are become new. We are a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's Naaman. He, he obeys. He, he does exactly what he's commanded to do, and he was cleansed. So... Right here is where we're going to turn the page. And we'll start talking about the blessings of God. I can't believe it's already this time. Uh, but in order for God to bless Naaman in this passage and heal him, okay, there's a couple of things that Naaman had to do. For one thing, he had to put aside that reputation and follow the Word of God. Remember, this is a captain. He's not traveling alone, right? Especially to an enemy's uh, territory, right? So he's got people with his own land there with him, and maybe even other people. So there could be, like, rather this public gathering almost, if you will, at this river. So he doesn't have, you know, it's not, it's not a, uh, a private location necessarily. Okay, so he had to put aside that reputation. He had to do it immediately. And then he had to do it perfectly. Okay? He couldn't skip a step. Imagine what would have happened. Well, we know what would have happened if he had said, I mean, after grief, man, after I dip myself first time, I'll be about as wet as I'm going to get. I'll just do three times, you know? Or, or man, it was a long trip. My knee hurts. I'm not. I'm not doing that seven times. Maybe three. Okay. Maybe four. Okay. Or man, goodness, water is water. This stuff's not very clean. I'm gonna go up there to that 
to that river in Damascus that I want to go to. I'll, I'll do it there. There must be something about just dipping yourself in the water. Can you imagine if you were to go on a, a, a plane flight and, you know, the pilots, when they're checking everything before they take off, if the pilot comes in over the radio and says, you know, good afternoon, thank you for flying with us, all that stuff they say, and uh, we have gone through our checklist and all this stuff between numbers 24 and 54, uh, man, that stuff never changes. We're not going to check that, okay? <laughs> but we covered the numbers 1 through 24, so we're going to be good, okay? We, we, we wouldn't feel very good, right? I mean, if you're talking over 30,000 feet in the air, a couple hundred miles an hour, no, we want him to check everything off. So it was important that that he followed his instructions exactly as they were given. And this is where we get in trouble as Christians, where we will modify God's instructions to us on what he would have for us. God has given his instruction to us in the word of God, but we modify it. We tend to modify it at times to, to fit our own desires, Okay. And the tragedy of that is we're no longer serving God, but we're serving ourselves, and therefore it ends up depriving us of the blessings of God. Because God is a wonderful and loving Father, and He wants to bless His children. God wants us to be faithful in the small things and in the big things. Luke chapter 16 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. There are several blessings mentioned in the Bible, and as we said at the beginning, we could take hours in here talking about the different blessings in our lives. I want to hit three major ones, okay? Blessings that we receive when we obey God exactly as He instructs us. And the first place we're going to turn to on this is Exodus chapter number 23. Exodus chapter number 23, the first blessing that we have in the scripture here that I want to cover tonight is the blessing of God's protection, okay? Now, this is when the people have come out of the land of Egypt. They've gone through, uh, the people of Egypt have gone through those ten plagues, and here we are in chapter 23. And verse number 20, this is, this is instruction, instructions that God is giving them before they go into the land of Canaan. Now, Canaan, Canaan in the Old Testament is a picture of our spiritual life. Coming out of Egypt is that salvation and then entering into Canaan. Adrian Rogers has a very catchy sermon title for this called Conquering Your Canaan. Okay? Because, it, you know, how do we become successful in our spiritual life? The giants that were in the land, the faith that was needed to overcome that, and then even bigger than that, the blessings that awaited for them in this land. First of all, notice that there was a path prepared, just like what we saw in 2 Kings chapter 5. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So this is guidance that is promised, right? 
And he's promised the person. He's promised uh, his purpose on what he's going to do to keep us in the way. It's like the guardrails on the side of a road when you're going down a mountain a mountain area. Those guardrails will help to keep you inside the road. Verse 21, Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So these are the firm instructions. I'm sending my angel to, to be a guide unto you, and you need to obey him. Verse number 22, But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thine adversaries. You know, that's a very comforting verse. You know, the enemies that we have, wouldn't you want them, like, to God, for God to be their enemy? You know, um, to me, that's a, a comforting statement from Almighty God. Do we want His protection? Do we want Him to be on our side? Then we must follow the instructions that He is giving to us, just like He's stating them in this passage. Second one is going to be God's provision. If you if you uh, if you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter chapter one, I'm going to try to wrap this up here in just a few minutes. Isaiah chapter number one: God's protection, God's provision. Isaiah chapter number one and verse number fourteen. Okay, this is where God is dealing with. The past sins of uh, of Judah and what was going on there, and so it starts with a warning from God. Verse number fourteen, fifteen: Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Well, it's a tragic, tragic affair whenever we, whenever we uh, sin against God without repenting. Verse number 16, Wash you, make you clean put, a, clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, and cease to do evil. This is a calling to repentance. And then verse number 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then verse number 19, the key phrase, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. That willing and obedient, he's dealing with our pride and our stubbornness is what he's dealing with. God will bless us if we will acknowledge that that it is he that provides for us. He's the one that uh, allows us to have what we have. And so God's ultimate provision can only come to us if we are willing and if we are obedient. Okay? Now back in verse number... Oh, let's see. Where is that? I skipped over this on accident. In verse number 16, when he says, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil, put, it literally means to depart and to put aside. 
It doesn't mean to just forget about it for the day. It doesn't mean to, you know, there there is an effort here. There is an effort to to remove it from our lives and then opening up uh, the ability for God to bless us through His provision uh, once we submit ourselves to Him. And then the third one I have for you is God's presence. Do you want the presence of God to be abundant in your life? The last place I have for you to turn is John chapter 14. And then I'll be done in just a minute. John chapter 14. God's presence. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. If you've never studied it before in, in uh, detail, I would encourage you to do that. John chapter 14 is probably one of my favorite chapters, honestly, in the New Testament. If it's possible to have a favorite, it's at least in one of the top few for me. In verse number 16, he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So he's telling them that you will not be comfortless. We will not be, uh, in verse number 18 there, he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. That word comfortless, the word that it comes from, it literally means desolate. I will not leave you um, stranded, if you will. I will not I will not forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so God will do his part of being our father. It's like that chess game that Brother Roger refers to. God takes a move and then we take the move. Um, God's willing to do his part. He's willing to move his pieces. But the question is, is am I willing to do my part? Um, and my part begins here in verse number 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. There's two things that I have to do here. First one has to do with receiving or being willing to receive his commandments. There is that hath my commandments and then keepeth them. These are two actions. Receiving his commandments and acknowledgement that we have been commanded and then keep it. It means to keep on. It means to to continue, to watch over, to protect those in our lives. This is that obedience. It's like, well, it's a two-step verification, if you will, is how we would look at it in technology these days. Because look what he says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. It's a test to verify whether or not we truly love the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as a result of us loving the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage, it says because of that the Father will love us. And then as a result of that, He will manifest Himself to us. And that word manifest, it means literally to appear, to make known. He will show Himself to us. Do I want God to protect me? Do I want God to provide for me? Do I want God's presence to be abundant in my life? You know, it's like a flow chart. You know, we, what we just read in verse 21 there. 
you have my commandments, you keep my commandments, therefore you love me, and because of that, God loves you, and because of that, he will manifest himself to us. If we want him to manifest himself to us, well, he first has to love us. In order for him to love us in this passage, we have to love him, and then the verification that we do love him is what we do with his written word that is before us. And it's all hinging on our obedience. All of the blessings of God that we read about in the spiritual um, sense in the book of Exodus, when they're entering into Canaan, or, or not necessarily in the book of Exodus, um, when Joshua led them into Canaan, it started with that obedience. Who didn't get to go into Canaan with them? Moses. And the reason why was because he struck the rock. He disobeyed God. And therefore, he was not able to claim those blessings that God had for him in that land. And so, my encouragement to us tonight goes back to what I said at the beginning. All of these blessings that God has for us, it's like a rain cloud above you. You know the rain is there. Meteorologists say it is, at least. Um, in Texas, it's not that cloud, it's the next cloud. But uh, it's like that rain cloud. The rain is up there. The only thing stopping those blessings from coming to us would be our obedience to God when He does instruct us to do something. Meaning, God has all the blessings that we could ever imagine right there ready to be bestowed to us but unfortunately it's my pride it's my self my self consciousness where it's all about me that would prevent me from receiving these blessings from the Lord and so in this time that we're living in you know with the nation and everything going on to just Remember that God has not changed and He will not change and He still is on the throne and we are simply to just keep being faithful where we're at, keep being obedient to the calling that He has given us, to, to the ministry that He's giving us in our church and homes and God, He wants to bless us, you know? It's it's kind of like the uh, the boss who who wants to give a bonus to his employees. He's got it ready, but first some things have to be done. Amen. Let's pray, and then I'll turn it over to Brother Ed. Lord, surely thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life, Lord, and. And for all that you've done for us, Lord, for the blessing of salvation, Lord, the greatest blessing that we can ever receive. Father, I pray that you would just encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, in the, in the lives that we live, the places that we go, Lord, that we would remain obedient unto thee. And not only to receive your blessings, but to shine better as a light in the world where, God, where you have placed us, Lord, just like that little maid. In Second Kings, Lord, and how she she did not dim her light based on the location that she was in, but rather she remained steadfast and shined that light in that home. God, I pray that we would just be mindful of these things 
in our daily routines, Lord. Pray that you would bless the workers upstairs, Lord, and Brother Roger, that you would get him back home safely tomorrow night. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.